0: Well, he's back from Europe and he spent two weeks in quarantine. I got him on day thirteen, so the poor bloke has—he's uh, been riding solo for the last couple of weeks. Matt Ramsden is uh, an Australian running gun. He's been on the show before, and I'm a—I'm a huge fan of this bloke. Let me just tell you a couple of numbers. So he's gone over to Europe with Stewie McSwain, Ryan Gregson, gone over there, bust out a 351 mile at a just whatever kind of a meet. Um, he's just—he's a, a go getter. I like his. I like his attitude. I like his running style. I like his approach to life. I just like talking to the guy. You're in for a treat. Matt Ramson is back, and I'm pumped to bring it to you. Um, I could have talked to him all day, but the thing is, with my little man, Charlie, I always politely request that my wife leave the house immediately when I start a podcast so that there's no crying in the background. And like a trooper, She does it. And I said, babe, if you just go out for an hour today, that would be amazing. So it's an hour conversation. This is the first half of it. If you remember, the full episode is now available. So if you want to jump on board there, you can just get the bonus podcast, which is $5 US a month, or you can jump on for our full-blown membership at relaxrunning.com slash join. Um, Jump over to that page just to see all the benefits that come with that. Guys, the last couple of weeks, as you know, this podcast has been sponsored by the one and only... Precision hydration. I'm a huge fan of these guys, their professionalism, the quality of their product. I've been using it now for the last couple of weeks after my run. They got a, a, a personalized capsule that helps relate, uh, re- replace the specific. Elements of my sweat which disappear after a run. The beauty of Precision Hydration, as I've told you before, they're not just some generic "hey, try these products, uh, drink a little bit more, it'll make you feel better." They actually help you refine your hydration. Dr- hydration? You know what I'm trying to say? Hydration strategy um, through their online sweat test. It's free, and I've listed it for you in the show notes. Um, So it's it's developed so that you'll get a personalized hydration plan and it'll give you recommendations for different strength of electrolytes that match how much you as an individual sweat. So if you want to go to precisionhydration.com, take that free sweat test and then at the end you'll get a 15% discount on your first purchase with those guys. Simply enter the coupon code RELAXED15, that's all in capitals, RELAXED15 to get 15% off your first order if you've got any questions about your own hydration strategy or you want to know more about their ph products you can book in for a free one-to-one video call with one of their sweat experts which i've also linked in the show notes or if you prefer just either email them at hello at precisionhydration.com these guys are guns these guys are really really good i wouldn't just throw you bull crap and obviously with uh hydration being such an important element of your running plan these guys are perfect for you so jump on over check it out let me know what you think Anyway, I'm going to get out of the way. Guys, enjoy this conversation with me and the great man, Matty Ramsden.
1: no worries what
0: are you what are you doing at the moment you're uh you're back home in quarantine are you
1: yeah i'm um i'm in quarantine at Novotel in perth so i got back i actually get out tomorrow um but yeah so i've been in for like two weeks now
0: Hey <laughs> are you coping?
1: oh it's pretty boring at times i got a bike in here so i like ride in the morning and waste. It. i try and like sleep in as much as i can so i'm not like <laughs> up doing nothing the whole day oh but, bro that's when I was so
0: brutal.
1: Waking up at four four AM, so that was the worst the first week when I was jet lagged
0: Oh, mate, just plenty of time on Instagram and YouTube, hey. Yeah,
1: yeah. exactly.
0: <laughs> <laughs> so, how long have you been home for? Is it a two week quarantine over there as well?
1: Um, yeah, yeah. It's two week quarantine. Um, for Perth, I think it's the same for like most states. Maybe Melbourne, you can do it at home. I'm not sure, but um, yeah, it's. I think it's a kind of stupid rule like we did a test on the um, on the second day we we're in and I, it came back negative like I knew it would because um, most airlines, if you're traveling international, you need to get a test before you can get on the plane um, and it needs to be negative. So the only chance you can catch COVID is during that like transit period in the airport um, and then, yeah, obviously it came back negative on the second day. And it's like, oh, cool. So now, what do I do for another twelve days in here? Because I don't have it, so I'm not going to catch in here.
0: Oh man, that's so funny. I can't imagine what the deal would be in Melbourne, Um, bro. I don't know. I don't know if we're as light as as what you you think we might be. But it's so funny, man. Like we just our lockdowns or our what do you say restrictions got a little bit released yesterday, or a little bit loosened. And, mate, the vibe over here, people are so happy just to be able to get out of their house without being arrested, so it's a, a nice feeling. But, dude, I definitely sympathise. Two weeks is uh is pretty intense. Are you allowed out at all? Like, can you go out for a run or...?
1: No, not at all. And um, so my window, like, here, you can see in the background, you don't get any natural light coming through you because there's a big building next to it. So I'm looking out onto an alleyway that no people go down there and none of the windows open. Um, the aircon they've like changed the air con so you can only set it to 20 degrees um that's the lowest it goes and the fan goes to like one one bar so um when you're trying to ride and train in here as well it's like impossible it gets so hot
0: Jeez, man are they looking after you with room service you're getting a few good little meals
1: um yeah the meals are like pretty basic they send it to your um to your door and then they knock when when it's there and then they like sometimes I try and like get out and see who dropped it off, but they like literally <laughs> drop it and run because I think you got the plague.
0: <laughs> yeah. I was um for for me man I was I was happy. I can't believe how fast it was. That was six months ago, five months ago. I chatted to you last time. Yeah. it's um it's gone quick. But uh, dude, what was I gonna say? I was about to say something to you. Um, you are telling me about quarantine. Oh yeah yeah, I was so happy because when I reached out to you again, I thought I probably be a busy man getting back from europe he's pretty keen to to get back into day-to-day life and then when you said you were in quarantine for me that was the best news ever because i thought hey what a time to record a podcast with the bloke
1: (laughs) technically i could speak till like 12 a.m bro we'll set the (laughs)
0: record for the longest podcast if (laughs) you (laughs) can um oh dude that's brutal before as you just answered your phone i was about to compliment you on your tan as well so what's going on there is that just a little bit of the lighting in the room
1: Nah, it's definitely the lighting
0: <laughs>
1: Yeah, I think I've lost my tan from um, Europe already Running around <laughs> a bird on in Bushy Park
0: Oh, I, I need some of your help I've, um, I've been doing my best here So as I said to you, I said, mate, like, brush your hair Make yourself pretty, because I'll chuck this on YouTube But, um, it's like a, As you can see, my background's nothing exciting I'm in my apartment in Melbourne, and, uh The lighting here, like the place that I'm standing at, I can't quite figure it out because our place in the morning, just to the left of, like just to my left here, we've got some nice morning sun that comes through and it makes me look like I've got a golden tan. But this time of the day, I start to look like I'm sick and haven't been out of a house in about two months. So you've uh, you've got me covered, I reckon. So I'm going to have to put in some special effects to make myself look pretty next to you on the split screen.
1: (laughs) Just make sure you get yeah, um your selfies when that sun comes in, mate. <laughs> <laughs> I'm gonna have
0: to do something because right now I um. Do you know Adele Tracy? No, I don't man. She's like um. Uh, Google her after she came on. She's a she's a, a UK 800 meter runner. Um, she's run about 159 or something for 800. And and dude, she's she's a stunner. She's absolute glamour. Anyway, <clears throat> I reached out to her a while ago and I said, "Hey, Adele." Uh, fan of your work whatever would you would you be keen to come on she goes yeah let, let's do it anyway so she turned on her her camera and she had like this awesome setup um she's good looking at the best of times uh, or at the worst of times i should say so she had good lighting a good setup almost like a studio and then mate at the time yeah. it was just my ugly head coming through the the apple camera and i looked it was so embarrassing i was going to post that one on youtube and i thought no nah, my ego can't handle it because it was her on one side of the screen that looked like a like a, a super glamour who just knew exactly what she was doing. And then there was me who was just a pale big head with like pixelated eyes and nose, just trying you could just hear me asking questions. So it wasn't it wasn't the most attractive thing. But then I had um the great man Big Wolverine, Riley Wolf, on yeah. on last week. And uh have you seen any of his stuff on YouTube? He's got a cool little podcast yeah uh, I've watched, running things.
1: I watched a couple of things on there.
0: Dude, it looks so sick. And I said to him the other day, I go, mate, Um, I go, don't go and look at my YouTube channel because all my inspiration is coming straight from you. (laughs) So I'm going to have to work on studio lights and I've been looking at all his stuff and going, you know what, when it comes to putting a podcast together, I'm going to have to lift my game, especially when visuals come in. Audio, you get away with so much.
1: Yeah, yeah. No, I was going to say it's like that's the difference between guys and girls though, like girls would spend an hour probably before the podcast like putting a bit of makeup on, like making sure the lighting and like the background's good. I literally rolled out of bed just then, like <laughs> watching videos. I'm like, oh, what's the time? Oh, time for the podcast. Get up, like, Sling this shirt on, and you're like before the podcast. Oh, where's my hat? Like trying to fumble. Around.
0: <laughs> yeah. Mate, you look a million bucks. You look a million bucks. It's um actually it's something funny. That's what me and and Riley were talking about when we we're on the show. Because I said it looks unreal. Like there. The podcast studio that you have set up on YouTube, how good does it look? Like the way he does it. I yeah. was, I was super impressed. So I was asking him a couple of questions because I was like, mate, if I'm going to do it, I want to try and do it well. And, yeah. um, and he was like, dude, it's the funniest thing. He's like, my wife's upstairs. I'm in this tiny little room and I've got like a sick backdrop that I just put together, which is too big for the room. And then I just try and get the lighting. I say to my wife, like, cause apparently when they turn taps on, uh, in his little studio downstairs or wherever he was, like the taps make a noise or the pipes make a noise, so um, and it interferes with the with the quality of the room. So it's oh, like yeah. I'm dealing with this bullcrap little room, but by the time he he gets it all uploaded and edited, it looks like a work of art. So I might yeah. just have to pay him and, and ask him to do all my edits for me. <laughs>
1: yeah, <laughs> you no, but do, um, you've you've only just started. Like you'll pick up little things uh, as you go along and get better at it. And before you know it, you'll probably he'll be asking you for tips.
0: <laughs> Mate, you better be, that'd be that will be uh, the ultimate compliment. I was laughing with him because I said, uh, um, like "Speaking of starting, I I started this a little while ago." And then, say for example, if I sat down with you, um, had a conversation, then when I put it on my my socials, I would usually just go to your Instagram page, or just type Matt Ramsden into Google, find a sick photo of you. And just I'll just save it to my computer and upload that. And I thought, ah, oh, perfect. That's what you do. And Then I did a podcast with a, a yoga instructor, runner, a while ago, and I went did exactly that. Posted a photo, and I got an email from his uh, from the studio that he works for saying, "Mate, can you please uh, remove my photo or remove our photos?" um you haven't got licensing rights and stuff and I was like oh crap then I went and looked back through all the photos I've used for the last year bro every photo was was his so I messaged him and I was like dude I just want to I just got to tell you in case you hate me right now or in case you think I've just been flogging all your work I had no idea and um he was the best bloke about it so once we started having to chat I was like dude I'm I'm so sorry like are we starting this on on, on a good foot and he's like yeah yeah I'm going to let you off the hook so <laughs> thank god for that yeah, mate. It's um, a bit of a um. It's a bit of a change of pace to what you've been doing. Then, hey, you were how long? How long were you we over in Europe
1: for? Um, oh, I was about a three three month trip, maybe a little bit under three months. Yeah, so it wasn't as long as last year, but I think last year was a bit of an outlier, to be honest. Um, just with World Champs being so late and stuff. So usually, I think it's around four months, like a full season overseas. But yeah, so it wasn't too bad, really.
0: Mate, I was getting so excited every time I saw your name on a start list towards the end of it. Actually, to rewind the clock even further than that, we as I said, we spoke in, in May. And um I reckon I reckon as soon as you hung up, you were like, Alright, that's it, I'm gonna go and just drop some bombs and I can't remember if you'd already done that. What was that lake you set a record around? It, it was on film.
1: Oh, that was um Lake Mongo, yeah, in Perth. That's probably where like my good form started. Yeah.
0: That, what, um, what
1: month was that? what month do you I remember think that would have that been may like yeah i reckon it was may or maybe end of april because it was like just when the covid stuff was starting to settle and people were like yeah there's not much going on now um and i thought i'm fit i need to do something and um all the boys in melbourne did the tan had the tan race lined up and obviously i couldn't get over there so um raf raf wanted us to do he set up the challenge the lake monger challenge and i think the council's still getting like one of those um big like signs put up to have all the times put down for the top 10 but um yeah i thought i can definitely get the record around the lake like the strava record so i did that and i think i ran it's like exactly 3.5k and i did it in 9 minutes 21 so it's about 240 a kilometre if you work it out Um, but it was it was good conditions that day it was quite it was quite humid um, and nice and warm but the only thing was there was a lot of people out walking um, so you had to like weave and stuff but apparently the guys on the tan had that same problem so it's pretty even
0: yeah, well, it was funny, man. I, I watched that video. I don't know who recorded it, but they did a good job just following you around on the on the bike. Um uh, But I was who was it?
1: Uh Chris Deboer, you know him? You know Chris. Uh yes, I do. Yeah, how do I know Chris DeBoer? He's a he's a runner himself, wasn't he? Or isn't he? a Good eight hundred runner. Um and everyone gets mixed up with him and his brother, um, Matt who plays AFL. think so he plays for Sydney.
0: Uh you know what? I actually think I recognized I I'm sure I've seen I'm sure I've seen him running around in eight hundreds over the years because I definitely know the name. But um, when you said his brother plays for Sydney, I reckon that rings even more of a bell.
1: Yeah, that's where when I drop his name, people are like, "Oh, is that the guy that plays for Sydney?" <laughs> so, um, uh, but yeah, he's he's a good guy. He always will just rock up with a camera when he knows I've got like a big session or if I if I'm doing like a little time trial or something he'll just rock up with a camera and start filming.
0: Mate, I was <laughs> laughing when you were telling me that you were weaving in and out of people because uh, I was watching that video. And my favorite part of, of watching blokes like you do a time trial like that, and it was the same. I went down um, and and I watched that 3K time trial that all the boys did around the tan. And right. uh, my favorite part of it is just watching some professional athlete rock up to just like a place where most people go for a bit of a social outing. And they're yeah. in there. Like Stewie, it was awesome because he, he had his tights Um, like his bright blue Nike kit tight, uh, just during his warm up. And they were, they were pretty out there. And just to, to look at people as he's warming up, just go, hang on a sec, what's going on there? Like this looks a bit serious. Then obviously big Jackie Rayner. And then there was Brett and Geordie and, um, Mate, like the who's who of of Melbourne running was was down at the tan that day. But my favourite part, and what I noticed about the video that you were recording as well, and this is probably just more to do with my ego than anything else, is when you go past people at the pace that you're running at, I love it when the camera... Sort of just pans back a little bit, and you can see the people just walking with a friend, and you can just tell they're kind of going, "Holy shit! What's what's this guy doing?" And I reckon you got a couple of those nice little looks during your uh, during your time trial that day. Did you pause them at all? Did you see what I was talking about, or you're you're probably more humble than me? You wouldn't even pay attention to that. Too busy um, looking at your nice stride.
1: Nah, I watched I watched the video back a couple of times just to make because there was a few comment comments on there like about social distancing and all that sh- like stuff. So um. I was like, oh, I want to check and see if I actually got too close to some people. And some people I did, like, just about brush shoulders with them. But, um, yeah, I always think, like, do those people – those people wouldn't think that I'm doing, like, a lap of the lake. They'd think I'm doing a 200-meter rep, like, up and back or something. Because um, to them, they'd be like, no, no chance, like, this guy is going to r- run that pace for the whole lap. Like, if <laughs> I was walking that pace and I saw someone doing it as well, I'd be like – no, nah, he's doing a session. Yeah, You're taking a so.
0: piece. Yeah, you just assume they're taking the piece. Whereas whereas me, I sprint past someone and hope they think I'm doing a whole lap, but we're, really I'm doing 150 just at the right. I went for a couple of good-looking girls to go past, take my shirt off and do a 150-metre sprint, and then, just, <laughs> and then just don't go back the other way. So yeah. they assume that I'm, uh, I'm cutting a whole lap. No, that was yeah. good. It was the same, man. And uh, speaking about weaving in and out, I don't know if you heard from the guys over here, but during the tan time trial that day, there was – um. There was like a couple of Arborists still in tree work. Just there was about five hundred yeah. metres from the start. And mate, I was laughing because they had a couple of big big logs laying around and they had a crane that was all set up and I was thinking, if these boys get four hundred metres in and they've just lobbed a big branch and the boys ask them to wait, it's gonna be the most it's gonna be oh, the most yeah. hilarious scene for like for me watching, but for the boys <laughs> to actually participate in the most frustrating
1: thing. Yeah. No exactly. They might have just had to restart the whole race if it's actually gonna cause that much of a problem. Yeah, exactly right.
0: My my favorite one was your um was your two K time trial that you did, and this is funny. Like whenever whenever someone says to me, because um, the podcast we did together was was one of the most popular ones that that I've put up, and uh, every time someone sees the name Matt Ramsden or I start talking about you, they always go, "Mate, do you see the two K time trial that he did?" And actually, me yeah. and Big Wolverine we were talking about it last week, and and he was laughing. I was going to ask you about this because he was saying um. Oh, what were we talking about? I can't remember exactly what came up, but it was it was essentially we were just talking about the different attitudes that different runners seem to have. Like some runners are pretty much they'll they'll just rock up, they'll do the work, they'll they'll run fast, and then they'll go home. Whereas um, uh, he was saying that a bloke like you. You seem to operate better when you're told you can't do something. Like you got a little bit of a a little bit of a for lack of a better word, a little bit of prick about you in the most complimentary way, which says, alright, tell me I can't, and it's like a real fuel for the fire just to get it done. And uh yeah. I, I had to hear this from the from the horse's mouth. He was saying that before that time trial, um, bitters message you saying, mate, you won't break four fifty six or something. No, nah, I don't ch- realize nah. um. I don't know if this was true. I had to ask. I might be, I might be mucking up his story. And uh, I heard that you messaged me back, going, "Mate, I heard I, you said I wouldn't break five, or you said I wouldn't break four fifty-six or something."
1: Nah, I reckon that was someone else um, who said that. It definitely wouldn't have been Nick. I think Nick, I think Nick, um, Nick told me to set the pace at five minutes. Um, that was actually what it was. He said, "I oh, set just get them to run um, sixty-second laps," because um, I didn't think he. I didn't think he knew that my motivation was so high, so it was just like, yeah, just go out and um, like have a nice like breakthrough. Um, and I was I was thinking, nah, no, I can probably go a bit quicker, so I just told the boys, ah, run fifty nines, and um, if if I'm feeling good, I'll pick it up at the end. But they ended up running sixties anyway, and then I just ran like a fifty-seven last lap and a fifty-eight um, second last lap. So, but um, yeah, Nick. Nick Definitely wouldn't have been like, nah, you can't run that. But after, when I told him the result, he did give me probably the best text messages I've had like after. What did he say? I think he just said outstanding with a full stop. <laughs> That's awesome. What was
0: funny, because when he was saying that, I thought, oh, obviously Bitters knows you better. And I thought he might have been using it as a bit of an inspiration for you just to go, oh, okay. Like he'd sort of just lit that fuse and, and wanted you to explode. But I thought, okay, he's obviously, uh, he knows his athletes pretty well. He's, he's nailed that. But um what were you kind of hoping so you had your, you had in the back of your mind that 5 minutes was probably a bit slower a bit slower than what you were capable of um, running
1: Oh I wasn't thinking too much about the time I wanted to run at least like 455 um but it's a bit disheartening when like you see Jakob run obviously it was a it was an actual race he ran like 4 450 a few days before so all I was thinking was like I'll just try and get as close to like 450 as possible um, obviously, like run 450 in Perth isn't going to be like that easy. So, <laughs> 455 was all I could manage that day.
0: Yeah, that was that was, and it's a weird feeling. Like, um, I don't know if you found this. Is, is it more of a challenge for you? Because the idea of just chewing up and spitting out pacemakers, it's like people say, oh, that's it's really good. But I, I always felt when I was running that it was a, it was a weird headspace when you knew you were sort of chewing them up. It wasn't a true race. You were just trying to outland outlast a, a couple of these other boys you're, you're exactly right i reckon chuck you in a race situation with big stewie um big grego or whatever and and have people that you actually know you're racing against that you're trying to beat for real um yeah. as a little bit of extra enthusiasm because all of a sudden like a 57 lap by yourself is is awesome but you've got a bloke like stewie there and you guys are fighting against each other and you've got to fight out of 55
1: yeah
0: um, um Sorry, mate, my, the- my clothesline just fell down on my window. I thought, uh, I thought I'd thought i just been shot. Did you hear that come through?
1: Yeah, I can yeah. see it yeah, at the back. I can see, like... <laughs> yeah, the
0: plant's gone mental, mate.
1: Yeah, but, um, now there's, like, two things to time trials that people don't, like, realise. The first is, in a time trial, you have lane one perfectly on the rail, like, the whole way. So you save so much time doing that, whereas in a race, you're weaving in and out. But then in a time trial, you have to be so, like, mentally strong because there's no one to push you. You're just fighting like with yourself. So you could almost say it evens out. What you run in a time trial is probably like around where you'd run in a race, maybe a little bit slower. But um just if but obviously if you get into a perfect race, so let's say you get to Monaco and you get lane one the whole way and you have like essentially other people pacing you until the last two hundred where you try and kick out, then that's when you're gonna run way quicker. Um but, like, I know a race like um, this season, maybe like that, a um, Strava race where Stewie had to run in lane two for like the first lap. I was like out in lane three for some laps. And you only run a. I ran 335, two. And I think Stewie ran 334, like two or something as well. Um, obviously, we knew we were way quicker than that. But that's just like what the race gives you. Like, that's what happens when there's so many people in a race
0: yeah it's so so what was that that was like the uh that was pretty much the first race of the season was it for you over in Europe
1: um no nah, that was like in, probably in the middle of the season um we I'd just come back from doing a race in Italy so I was a little tired for that one um but yeah we also got held on the line like real long which we, we obviously everyone had to deal with that but um that's why no one really ran that quick i think it was one in like
0: Three thirty-three high, Jakob one. Yeah, okay, mate. It was a it was a intense season for you. So, was that? I'm obviously going to talk to you about your mile because I woke up. It's so funny, man. Being a like going from a spectator of a sport to sorry, going from a participant in a sport to just a spectator. It's so much fun sometimes because rather than getting jealous of seeing the times that you run, I can actually do fist pumps and they're genuine. And I saw like your your Instagram post after I can't remember the three things but your three favorite things about Italy was like what were they something and it finished with the 351 mile
1: yeah lasagna um I think I captioned it like three things I love about Italy um lasagna um the locals are chillers and I ran <laughs> <laughs>
0: That was a that was a sick race man did that um like this is this is such a dumb question because uh like as an athlete who's you know your competitors or whatever are going to listen to it but was that a time that that like did you have in your mind that you were going to bust out a, a three fifty one mile like I I would say if if people had said oh what time do you reckon Big Rambo will run I would have guessed like a good a good three fifty 350, under three fifty five but when I saw three fifty one it was it was the same feeling I had the day after I got up and saw Stuart run seven twenty eight. It was like, all right, I know these guys are ready to run real fast. And then sometimes you see a time on the board and you're like, oh, I didn't quite realize how, yeah. how fast how I were ready to go. It's, it's part of the reason I hate bloody, um, armchair critics or people who just sit there because it's so easy to talk about what you know and how much you know about what form everyone's in until the actual results are on the board. People have no idea what other athletes are capable of. But that one's one that, uh, that I was pleasantly surprised by. How do you feel after that?
1: Um, yeah, I was, I was, like, before um, the session that we did, like, a few days before we left, I said to Grego, like, if I don't run at least 3.51, I'll be pissed. And he said, he said, if he doesn't run at least 3.52, he'll be pissed. So, um, we both, like, knew we were going to run it. Um, honestly, like, I would have liked to have run at least, like, three 3.50, but um yeah. 3.51, like, I think I was... I think that's third all time on the Australian list, so I couldn't. I wasn't that like pissy about it. I was pretty happy with how <laughs> it went, um, obviously. But yeah, I think like it's, even Greg Grego would um, admit there was definitely some things that we could have done better, like around the race. But yeah, it's all in hindsight. Like you can't be too greedy. It was still a good result for both of us.
0: Yeah, who's got you then? Who so Mottram's run a three forty eight nine.
1: Yeah, I think it's Simon Doyle
0: yeah there's always a couple of cheeky blokes from the nineties with Because he is it Hilliard before what well, was before Grego before Stewie um, now had the fifteen hundred record when was he he was from like the seventies or eighties wasn't he
1: um I'm not too good with like that history i I haven't looked much at the results or rankings, so I don't really know um I just like whatever gets tweeted on Twitter and I said it I like pick up on it but <laughs> I, I looked at the actual like results.
0: Yeah, what were a couple of things that you and Gregor thought you could have done better in the in the mile? Okay, wait, I'm just quietly. I'm so happy to hear that you are that you knew you were in the form to run 351 as well. And this is just the this is the beauty of being able to sit down and chat with you just to hear the insight because from the outside you'll see a couple of race results here and there, but you don't really like to see a 334 from you and a 333 from Stewie on the result to the board at at Strava. It's like oh, okay, they're in decent form if you're just looking at the uh, at the finish time. And how close it was. A lot of the time, it, you're right. It leaves out the fact you were running in lane two. It leaves out might have been a tactical race. So to be able to pick your brains on, you know, the things that actually went down that that led to that time is is really interesting. So, um, yeah, like a couple of the areas that you would have, would have liked to improve in hindsight. What, what were they?
1: Well, I got to explain like the the meat. The meat wasn't like. A proper invitation. We were set up just for Yemen Kripper, the Italian Ethiopian dude, to run to run their record. So there was no internationals except for me and um, Ryan. So, um, basically, we something happened with our flights, and we rocked up really late. And we had McDonald's for dinner the night before. I got <laughs> a Big Mac, um, and it was weird. Like the me organizers' dad just came with us and I was like getting ready to pay. And he said, no, like meet organizer. So he went and paid and it was just like a bit, um, like that was really nice of him, but it's weird. Like usually you arrive and go straight into the dining hall of a meet, and there's like buffet or whatever. And you'll go and eat. Whereas like Grego, Grego didn't want to get a big Mac. So he had, um, a muffin, like a couple of McMuffins with Nutella. Um, and that's (laughs) what we had before the race, like the night before. Um, then um yeah the day the hotel like was super weird about covid um which was rare in europe like usually they weren't too bad but this hotel like there was no food being served or anything um like only two people in a lift at a time and that so they took us to a restaurant with the other italian like runners um at this meat hotel and i think there was only about like five elites staying at the hotel because it was like obviously a low budget meet um so they took us to this restaurant and it was like well this is the day of the race it was like so hot like smoking hot and there no air con or anything and me and ryan were just like nah i can't even eat it's too hot in here so we had like our entree and then left and um just like went to the supermarket and i think we just had bread rolls or whatever from then until the race and um so, obviously, we rock up, and it's pre- like, imagine the meet being, like, a big miler's club. Like, there's all these um, kind of, like, lower-grade lower, lower grade races going on when we rock up, and they, t- they were insisting on us rocking up three hours before our race, um, and there was nowhere to sit, and obviously, it's, like, boiling hot there. So, they put us in this little, like, old rundown squash court where we laid with the – we just laid on these, like, old mats um, for the race and just watched YouTube on our phones, and um, the pacer was just, like, chilling in there with us. And then we hadn't been told anything about the pacing, really, other than, like, Cripper wanted to run the record. And then probably about 30 minutes before we went to warm up, Cripper um, and his coach rocked up and said, oh, what do you guys want to do? And I said, um, well, Cripper should go right behind the pacer. And I'll go second and Gregor goes third. Yeah. Um, I didn't want to, when the pacer dropped out, I didn't want to be the guy at the front either. So yeah. I wanted to be sitting behind Cripper. Um, and everyone agreed that was fine. And that's exactly how the race went. It was just like pacer went to, um, I think, 1200 or whatever. And then Cripper took over for like 150. I came around him and then hit. No one got the lead back off me. And that was the race. Like, it was pretty much like a time trial. <laughs> it was weird.
0: Dude, it's funny that you said it was just like a Milex Club. It's exactly what it looked like. I love the the footage that I saw on YouTube. Was just from someone's phone, and they were just they were falling it around just like this. <laughs> and I got excited at the home straight, edge like because you could actually see what was going on.
1: Yeah, but um, but what I mean by like we probably like Greg Gregson especially thought that we could have done better. It was probably um because there was no atmosphere there at all. It didn't feel like we're racing, so it was like so hard to pump yourself up. Um. That's why we we're surprised we actually managed to like bust out such a such a quick time. Even like another thing that just like a little things that help with the atmosphere of the race is when you have all the floodlights going um, above the stadium. There was like only two going, so it was dark on the track when we we're racing. Like uh, you, you could kind of struggle to see the lines at times on the back of the like track. So. Yeah, just little things like that was weird, but um, that'll be a race that I'll never forget. Like I actually really enjoyed going to Milan, racing there.
0: Yeah, man, that's great. Did the bloke? I saw that that little Ethiopian Italian dude a couple of times during the season. I noticed him first in that race, and I was like, "Who the hell is this bloke busting out a, a big race with with Gregor and yourself?" And then I reckon, did he run in that three thousand that you and Big Stewie ran as well? There was another race I saw him at. Yeah.
1: He was in the Rome one. Um, I think he got the italian record there he missed the italian mile record in the race that um we were in um and he pulled out of monaco in the 5k he didn't finish that one um i think he had a kind of up down season but it came together at the end of the season for him In that 3k he ran a bit better but he was a bit slow at the start
0: yeah okay Man, it's so funny. I just um I love that story about you guys having some macas the night before your race. So what, Grigo went for the the Nutella on the muffins, did you say? Is that a yeah, is that yeah. a health choice or is he a bit worried about the digestion going into the race? No,
1: nah, he he's def, definitely more like pedantic about what he eats before the race whereas um I just for me it's more a matter of <laughs> you have got to get the calories in. Um so I wasn't so worried about, like, if it was a bit fatty or if there was some, like, weird stuff that I wasn't eating, um, like, I wasn't used to eating. So I just went the Big Mac because I, I know what Big Macs are. So <laughs> it wasn't too different.
0: Yeah, that makes sense. It's like Usain Bolt. I reckon it was 2008 at the Beijing Olympics. Yeah. Everyone was talking about him eating his chicken nuggets. And he's yeah. like, no, no, the reason was, he's like, I actually, I know what was in it. It's like it was one thing. I didn't have to go and question him about what the ingredients were. He just sort of he yeah. had that confidence. Are you are you fussy at all with your diet uh, generally?
1: No, nah, I tied it up when I go to Europe. Though, like I try not to eat like as much fast food and stuff. Um, when I'm when I'm home, I try like real hard to just get max calories in because I saw like I went and saw a dietitian um, at Waste, and they did like all these tests on you on me um and one of them was like you rock up at 6 a.m you don't have breakfast you fast like from the night before and they basically test like the test is um they see what how much energy your body like burns while you're resting and basically they said that like my body burns so much energy without like doing any activity that um i was under fueling myself like the last few seasons so um they gave me, like, a plan and basically they were like, you need to stop worrying so much about eating so healthy. Um, like, Obviously, you've got to get your vegetables in and fruit and you got to drink a lot of water. They said you need to get, like, max carbs in and get the calories in. So um, from then I've started eating, like, way more for breakfast and, um, like, uh, especially after sessions when you don't feel that hungry, like I'll have one or two protein shakes and just try and, like, smash food down. So now when I go to meets, I'm not so worried about like exactly what I'm eating. As long as I know what it is and I'm getting like the calories in, I know I'll be fine.
0: Yeah, man, there'd be so many people that hate you right now hearing those stories. <laughs> Isn't it? I've got a mate up in Sydney and he's, um, he's the opposite. I, see, the way you explained yourself is, is pretty similar to me in terms of um, like you can eat a fair bit before you're anywhere near starting to worry about putting on weight. My biggest challenge after I finished uh, running was trying to put on weight because I was just skin and bones. And I'd made that – I'd talked too early and promised my wife that, like – Five years after she wouldn't. Uh, five years after I finish running, she won't see my ribs anymore. It'll just be abs and back muscles, and and it was a big claim, mate, because those ribs were poking out very well. And uh, <clears throat> I've got a mate up in Sydney, and he's he's a complete opposite. He'll have a slice of bread and somehow put on seven kilos. Yeah. <laughs> and he's oh, he's the like he he runs oh. so much, and he's he's a pretty fit guy. But he's like, mate, if I have an off day or an off couple of days, he goes, I promise you, I just blow out. Yeah.
1: The thing is, though, like. I'm not a type of guy, I'm not the type of guy that'll eat unless I'm real hungry. So in like the first week that I was here, I wasn't riding the bike that much. I was like I think I took five days off, no doing nothing, and then I started riding the bike. Those five days I was barely eating because I wasn't hungry, and my body didn't need the fuel. So I think I would have like breakfast, skip lunch, and then I'd have half my dinner in here. And the portions were only about half the size of what I would eat when I'm like actually training. So um, I think that's also why I don't really gain weight because I'm not like a real hungry guy when I'm not um, training. So obviously when I retire and stuff, I probably won't be like the guy that goes out and has McDonald's for lunch and stuff. I might be able to get by on a salad or whatever.
0: Yeah, it's interesting. I always, always find it interesting just to know the different dynamics of of how people operate. Because I remember, I I don't know if I told you about this last time we caught up, but I sat down with Stewie, and it was it was like a great conversation, but it's a terrible location. For anyone who's interested, it was um like early on in the piece of this podcast. But we went down, and I went to his house, and was like, "All right, sweet, we're we're going to do a podcast." And um, he's like, "Mate, my sister's inside. Do you mind if we just go down to a local cafe?" I was like, "Oh, of course not. Let's do it." Anyway, so we went down the street and we we're looking for a local cafe and there was nothing there. And, uh, the only place that was open was like a subway restaurant. And I yeah. was like, oh, like I want to, I want to do this chat, but it's going to be such bad audio. But I thought, stuff it. So we went in there and like, uh, we all sat down for a, like I got a drink and, um, sat down, and recorded the studio, uh, recorded the, the episode or whatever. Then at the end, Big Stewie was like, oh I might just, um, I might just grab a, a subway. And I was like, "Oh, that's interesting. Like, I didn't know you'd be into that." And then he went up and got like a foot-long meatball sub. Yeah. And um I was like, "Oh, mate, interesting." And actually, I don't know if he said to me maybe don't let this one out to too many people, but <laughs> it's too late yeah. there we go. I've just done that. But yeah. um but I was interested cuz cuz I know a lot of athletes are a bit more like Grego when it comes to just being super super anal about what they eat and, you know, what they take in because they're obviously trying to take care of their fitness or whatever else. But there's a fair argument for the other side that um like unless you're a like you you seem like a pretty low stress kind of bloke, and I often wonder how much of a factor stress is when it comes to diet, like sure uh, a dietitian will tell us the right foods to eat and things like that, but if we're we're stressing ourselves out to try and make sure we're absolutely nailing our diet, no matter where we are in the world, no matter what the circumstances are, like I feel like that's a real energy zapper as well, so I'm sure there's a case for people like yourself who. You know what, like even though it's not the dietitian's recommendation to get a, a Big Mac in the night before your race, we'll say, Hey, if it's if it's calories you're after and yeah. you save yourself a whole heap of stress, maybe uh maybe you got a case for it.
1: Yeah, I definitely think like um you can't let stuff like that, especially um get in the way of when you've got a big race. So things can't always go to plan. I can't have like a bowl of pasta for dinner, so um even because nothing was open, I couldn't even get a sandwich. So the next best thing was McDonald's um but it didn't it didn't stress Greg out it didn't stress me out and um I think that's the main thing like if you don't let those little things stress you out you'll still run well but um back to the diet thing like yeah definitely some people are different like I know girls struggle a lot more than guys with their with their diets um and they need to be a bit more particular just because the their bodies are different um but I still think like sometimes People get too, like, stuck on a certain weight that they need to be or, um, like, I've never heard Stewie be like, yeah, I think I'm looking a bit chubby or, <laughs> like, he never says, oh, I need to get to this race weight to run 330 in Doha. Like, that's not a thing. And it's not a thing to me either. But um, I think if you look at it the other way, I see more people, like, stuff up when they're being like, I need to get to this race weight or I want to... I want to, like, fix my diet up before the comp. I just, I just, yeah, maybe I am just a little bit too chilled, but the way I see it is you just got to relax about that stuff. Obviously do the right thing, but just relax a little bit.
0: That's such a good point, man. Like, I reckon by nature so many, and you would know this better than anyone having spent years running around with them, but us distance runners, uh, uh, you know, we've got a reputation for being pretty OCD when it comes to nailing our Ks and when it comes to nailing our gym, when our stretches and stuff like that, and it's... It is easy to fall for the idea that like you've just got to absolutely nail one hundred percent of the things, one hundred percent of the times. And yeah. Uh, yeah, I don't know. It's weird how it sort of filters through to to things like weight because the idea of, of of sort of saying to yourself that you need to be at a race weight is it's just a it's an unnecessary stress, isn't it? Because if you're if you're five hundred grams out of that ideal race weight, what well, your head just goes straight to oh, okay, obviously I'm not going to run anywhere near my best today.
1: Yeah, well that's the thing. You can't let, especially when you're talking about like half a percent of your top performance you can't let anything mental get in the way because like one percent if you're one percent off your game at a diamond league you are finished. you're finishing last probably so yeah that's such an
0: interesting point
1: yeah um everything uh, sorry man go on yeah i was just gonna say everything needs to be like perfect for you and you can't let outside like factors get in the way
0: yeah yeah, do you find it, um, like, is there any correlation with people running at your level and and how fussy they are? Like, would you say that there's that there's even more fussiness around diet and stuff once you get to your level, or are people a little bit more chilled from, from what you can tell?
1: No, definitely, it's the other way to what you think. It's, like, I feel like people in the circuit are more chill about things, um, but you have to be, you have to be so resilient if you're trying to be a professional athlete, because, so often your flight's going to get cancelled or you're going to have to take a train instead of a flight or, like, something like that's going to pop up. And some days you'll rock up to a meet at, like, 3 a.m. on the day of the meet or something like that. And you just got to, like, the meet organisers don't really care. They just want, like, a good result. So um, you got to, like, make, make do with the circumstances. And yeah. I think, by, like, a lot of the... A lot of the guys, um, especially guys not from Europe, who have to travel like over and they do the long-haul flights to get over, um, they probably have to be the most chill about it.
0: Guys, that is the end of the public version of the Matty Ramsden podcast. If you want to hear the last 25 minutes, 30 minutes, we cover yeah, a little bit about the pre-race dynamics over in Europe, who he spends his time with when he's travelling in Europe, Um, the friendships between some of the Aussies and the Africans when he's over there racing. chat a bit about the difference between confidence and arrogance and where he fits in to that. And uh, we chat a little bit about just the way that COVID's impacted his season this year as well as a few other things. So if you want to get access to the rest of this podcast plus 21 other podcasts and have access to all of them in the future, five bucks US a month just for that. Um, if you want to join the membership, it's ten bucks US a month. Find out about all of that at relaxrunning.com slash join. Otherwise, I'll see you back here next week. Enjoy.